You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast, where we speak to Mark Pageant. Mark's life has been full of movement and he is full of energy. I'm sure you will agree after listening to this episode. Enjoy. I am very excited today, which I say pretty much every episode on Fit Mind Fit Body, to welcome the wonderful Mark Pageant. Hello. Hello, gee, that was an introduction. Wonderful. I don't know. You ah, you're amazing. <laughs> oh, you're, I don't know about that. You're so bubbly and infectious and excited about, you know, the kind of thing that we're going to talk about today, which I think is amazing. And you in the community for um, not just running, but obviously triathlon and, and just getting out there and moving and having a go, you, you're well known for that. And you do it with a smile and a laugh. And so it's awesome. So it is wonderful. I'm really, really happy that you're here. So thank you for agreeing to be here. I know that your wife beat you here to uh, be interviewed, but that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it is okay. But it puts me under immense pressure because I listened to hers, my first podcast, and <laughs> I think she did quite well. So <laughs> She did awesome. Really, really well. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, yeah, no that's pressure. pressure. <laughs> no pressure, Mark. No pressure. All right. There will be people, because this is maybe going to add more pressure to you. There are people who listen to this podcast who do not live in Launceston. There are people who live in other parts of the world, not even in Australia. So they won't know of Mark Paget. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and, and what your childhood was like. Uh, well, I grew up, well, obviously in Launceston. Um, my parents uh, split up when I was five. Um, so I lived with my mum, but I did spend quite a bit of time with my dad. Um, I guess I had a fairly interesting upbringing in that um, from an early age, I was involved with one of dad's businesses. Uh, and I ended up sort of traveling around the country, driving excavators at a very young age and demonstrating, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, demonstrating a, um, an invention that dad had um, come up with at the time uh, to use in the forestry industry. It was called the crab grab. And yeah, so I was like, I think I was five and six and I was traveling around the country, loading log trucks with this X with, you know, anywhere up to a 20 ton excavator to demonstrate how easy it was to use this particular uh, invention. Because and a five-year-old can. As a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And then I had my mum who was, and my dad was an active person. He was into the outdoors, bushwalking mainly. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of windsurfing, but my mum was super active. She was into everything, I guess, a little bit like myself. Yeah. Um, she was a very good windsurfer. Uh, so I spent, when I was with mum, I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, at the beach with her. Um, and look, mum was probably the one that uh, really sort of supported me in my first sport, which was mm -hmm. sailing. Which, wow. you know, some people go sailing. Um, I was, that was probably the sport that mm -hmm. I did the best at. Um, but wow. yeah. It seems many, many years ago now, and I don't really talk about it that much. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my passion when I was younger. Uh, it's interesting because everyone... I think Jono was a sailor as yeah. well. And I spoke to Alwyn the other day. I'm not sure if you know Alwyn McMahon, but she did some sailing when she was growing up in West Australia. So there's a bit of 
I've talked to a few people who've done sailing. Yeah. When they're yeah. So that, yeah, that was, that was sort of my upbringing. Um, sailing was a big part of my, uh, yeah, my, I guess my life. And also my mum's, I got to travel a lot when I was younger, around the world, in fact. Wow. Mum took me as far as South Africa to compete. So um, That's amazing. What kind of, so what sort of sailing? Well, I sailed different boats. Um, mm-hmm. There are different classes in sailing. You know, if you're not into sailing, it's probably There's not that little Little ones and big ones. Yeah, start off in little boats, progress <laughs> to bigger boats. Um, and my goal at the time was to go to the Olympics in Athens. Um, oh, wow. So I spent a lot of time sort of going to Europe in my younger days, yeah. trying to qualify. In yeah. fact, uh, yeah, well, I went through the whole process, but uh, the boat the, or the two people that were in front of me in the selection process have ended up being really quite good sailors. Matthew Belch is one of those. He just won wow. a boat at Tokyo. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. And uh, and. Another guy called Nathan Wilmot was involved in sailing at the time. He won a gold medal in Beijing. I know that um, name. Mm. Yeah. So they're all, so that's, uh, yeah, that's sort of the, the sports I was involved with. And then I, yeah. And then I got into running and cycling and all the stuff. I you know, Simon has the same story because he was an elite rower. Yeah. Um, and Glenn Myler was his um, rowing yes. partner. And they went together uh, to the AIS to get chosen to go to the Commonwealth Games <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Glenn went. <laughs> Simon didn't. <laughs> so he he yeah. said that same. And he, and he also used to row with the awesome foursome. Yeah. You know, against them. And um, we used to you know, during the Olympics in two thousand, we would always um, sing that golden fruit. You're a bit yeah, I remember that. He, yeah. So we used to sing that to him, and he goes, "Oh, I sing better than them. I would have been better in, as the in the awesome foursome." <laughs> it was quite funny. Anyway, yeah. stirring him up a bit. So, so you did sailing. What, what was it about all these outdoor things when you were a child? Can you remember? Was it just because everyone, like your family, sounds like it, it was like in your DNA almost that kind of getting out and well, in in this case, many of those things are in the water, and yeah. having having a go at that stuff. But can you remember feeling like just really wanting to do it? Like you never, because at some point when we're teenagers, especially, it's like, oh, no, I don't really don't want to do this all the time and my parents are making me do stuff but I'm not did that even occur to you or you just enjoyed it so much that no I think uh, probably my personality for better or worse I'm very OCD and very driven yeah. um, so I get fixated on things yeah. Um, yeah and look I think that can be a positive I'm, I'm not sure Louise will agree it's positive all the time <laughs> Because I, I do jump from sport to sport um, because I just I love being involved in all sports but yeah. um, the sailing thing was a bit odd in that um like my mum was involved with windsurfing my dad to a lesser extent mm. and you know I probably would have gone down the windsurfing surfing pathway I think perhaps if I hadn't actually been in a, in the classroom one of my friends at the time was involved with sailing and yeah he I remember him saying why don't you come have a go at sailing I was like oh you know a little bit ADHD as well I'm like yeah 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 sure that sounds wicked um so uh yeah ended up I think that was about grade five or six mm-hmm. ended up going to the sailing the local sailing club with with sam his name was mm-hmm. and um yeah it was a, quite a traumatic experience for sam we went out and it was quite windy and um and he was the experienced sailor and uh yeah he, he didn't like it he got quite upset where i was like oh this is awesome <laughs> this Look is how fast we can go and oh yeah, yeah. give me a go with that steering thing i'll drive it <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then it went from there. How old were you then? How old were you with that? I would have been, I must have been about 11 or 12, 11. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, in typical fashion, I went into it like full bore. And um, is there something about the speed? You know how it, like some people get into sports where they they get that thrill when it, they're going really fast. Is there some yeah. element of that in there? Because I know some of the other things that you do are quite quick. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a theme to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything that moves, moves fast, um, you know, gives you that sense of, of um well, a bit of a rush, I guess. Um, adrenaline. Adrenaline. Yeah, I do. I, I try and avoid using the word adrenaline because I don't. I don't necessarily want my girls to be adrenaline junkies, as yeah. you say. But, but that probably sums me up. I do. Yeah, I do love those sorts of things. And um, yeah, and sailing went from there. But then sailing became, yeah, more driven about being successful and and results and progressing and you know. And then there was the Olympic. Um, goal and yeah so it became that that sense of fun and the adrenaline look I wouldn't say I didn't look I'm I'm so fortunate to have had that experience and be involved um, you know in the sailing program and I was involved with the TIS and the AIS and all of that Um, and I'm really you know I look back at those memories they're fond memories but it did the fun sort of that that initial fun um, it wasn't as fun towards the end became more kind of like a job but with the it was a job the, it was a negative job. connotations to a job as opposed to the positive connotations of a job yeah a job linked to results because our funding was all based on results we were spending a lot of time in europe and um myself and my yeah myself and my crew member um nick barons we were sort of the last to join the high performance mm-hmm. squad um so we were on the least amount of funding so we really needed to get results Good. yeah to keep that money fine and it was, yeah, then it, that's, Pressure. yeah, and no fun, no, like just, yeah. And, and look, elite sports, not all about fun, but there's yeah. got to be elements of it. Otherwise, you know, and, and that's, yeah, and that's why I pulled the pin on it because I, I actually pulled the pin when I was in Spain. I was like, I knew I wasn't going to qualify for the Olympics. I yeah. wasn't having much fun. I was asked to continue on training through until Athens. But, uh, yeah, I just made that decision. Look, I don't like this anymore. I'm, I'm going to do something else. So how old were you then? 20 I must have been 24 okay so how do you we'll just reverse do you have any siblings yeah I have a I have a brother and a sister and I also have a half brother excellent and, I've got a half sister it's kind of cool and two stepsisters too so we that's awesome yeah <laughs> you can imagine Louise she came from the you know mum and three kids just the standard family and came into ours and it was like bloody chaos <laughs> and then she loves every moment of it I'm sure yeah <laughs> so are your um are your siblings all kind of mad keen movers and shakers in the exercise world as well do you think um look my brother is he but he's he he was involved with sailing as well okay. but then he played golf he was a really good golfer yeah um and he's pretty handy on a bike as well um yeah so he he got into riding um a little bit after when I got into riding um, yeah. and, you know, became uh, quite a strong cyclist uh, locally. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, um, yeah well, I, I guess we've got it in our, our genetics to, yeah. and our physiology lends itself to doing endurance-type sports. Um, but, yeah, my sister, I think my sister could be quite a good runner. She's built like a runner, but she's never really, yeah, she's okay. an academic. She, okay. She's the brains in the family. <laughs> we've got to have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's important um yeah. 
well, and so talking about academ academia, how did you find school with all this running around, well, sailing and, and those yeah. kind of things? How did you find school when you were younger? So it's really uh, got to the sticky end. Look, I, I think as a student, I was, I'd say I was reasonably capable, but mm -hmm. not very motivated. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't one of these students that, that um, you know, put in huge amounts of effort. I put in what I thought was about enough. Yeah. And, uh, and that was pretty consistent for me right through high school, college, and in fact, university. Mm -hmm. University was a battle because I was often overseas. Um, I did have a sporting scholarship through the university, which helped because um, my lecturers understood that I was away a lot. So, so they were pretty a, supportive. A bit of a um, leeway there. Yeah. Getting things in and stuff. But like so, now we take it for granted that we can email everything. But back then it wasn't like that. I had a, yeah, I had a device called a pocket mail, which actually you could send an email via a phone line, which was like a fax. Now that is old school. <laughs> um, so sometimes I had to send assignments through that. And my mum was really good. She'd drop assignments in for me or, you know, I'd try and email them to her. But back then email, it was, it was difficult to find somewhere to email and, what yeah. year are we talking? Oh, wow. I'm so not good with dates. My wife will confirm that when I forget a birthday. Um, <laughs> or your wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Um, okay, dates. 2000 and that must have been, yeah, 2000, 2001, 2002. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. Good. I was just thinking when I first went to university, it was 90... No, I don't know, 84. No, actually, yeah, like there was no email or anything. <laughs> so it was like late 80s, early yeah. 90s. And I was like, oh, I don't even remember that. Um, but I did finish, I did mine in two stints, did finish in 2000. So we did have some emailing capacity at that point. <laughs> so yeah. We, you, you do forget very quickly, though, just how different every part of our lives are now because of the internet. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, made access to education so much easier like if I, I think to myself if if i had had the access that the students have now traveling overseas and competing for me during that time wouldn't have been nearly as challenging yeah. um you know as it as it was and even just like you know technology i remember my european roadmap it was like a big book and we used to travel like i went to countries like um estonia I went down to Spain, the southern wow. parts of Spain, like everywhere. And I would draw on the map, but like you'd have to, you'd be following on the map when you're driving down through these countries. Then you'd have to find the next page because you ran off the map. And like, and it wasn't that, necessarily the following one, but like, you know, no, 10 pages later. <laughs> exactly. And like, uh, who, who in, in this current, you know, day, mind you, none of us are traveling now. So I shouldn't say that. But like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in Paris, like, we would just look at, okay, we can see the Eiffel Tower. We know where that is. So we'd use landmarks. Like no one does that anymore. The, the you know, know, the GPS tells you where to go. <laughs> Let alone just meeting up with people. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you around three. I'll give you, I'll send you a text where I'll be at, you know, because I don't know exactly where I'll be now. You had to make the decision, you know, the day before or whenever you were talking to them, exactly where you would be at a particular time. And you had to be there at that particular time. It's a, yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, um, <laughs> So you, you, did you have any time off school, like off uni? So did you come straight from college and then to university or did you have um, any breaks in there? With all that training and travelling, as you said, it must have been quite a bit of 
pressure and yeah. things to do. Madness. No, I didn't. Because I guess in the back of my mind, I always thought that, you know, I need a qualification. If this yeah. sporting thing doesn't work out, it'd be good to have something to fall back on. So, um, I and that was mum's encouragement with that. Um, my dad's head was in the clouds most of the time. So he wasn't necessarily thinking that, you know, I needed to do that. He, he would have rather, I remember when I, um, yeah, when I enrolled in uni, he wanted me to be an engineer so I could support him with his oh, business. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I told him I was doing human movement and he was like, what, you want to be a bloody dancer? He goes, I said, Dad, it's not dancing. It's being a health and physical education teacher. And he goes, oh, oh okay. And I said, oh, PE. <laughs> yeah, PE. And I said, you shouldn't be offended if I want to be a dancer anyway. So what? <laughs> That's funny. But, um, yeah, I was just, I was really mindful that, yeah, sport doesn't always work out, um, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to have something to fall back on. So, so do I you think it helped that you were studying something kind? Of, well, it's sport related, isn't it? Like PE. Yeah, definitely. Did, that, did it help? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And you know, sometimes I'm the sort of person that needs to have things going on in the background to keep me focused. If uh-huh. I don't have something, then I'm yeah. So for, I, I, like, I didn't have a lot of time for other stuff though. I really had uni and I had my sport and yeah, I certainly, you know, in the early days, um, my first serious relationship was with Louise. Um, which, and when yeah, was that? That was at uni. I met her at uni when I was in fourth year and she was in yeah. first year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like that was, I'd had, I'd had girlfriends, but yeah, not, nothing really serious. And yeah. yeah, then I met Louise and, and I just, yeah, trying to balance everything was challenging. That's yeah. for sure. It must have been. Is there any time where your careers overlapped a little bit because you were both serious yeah. sports people? Um, yeah. So that must have been crazy. Just in yeah. Case. So we were, we were both in Europe at times. Um, but really, her sport. It, it's funny the timeline. Mine, like our the early parts of our relationship, I was away a lot. Yeah. Um, sailing, and then. I pulled the pin and was like, no, nah, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her cycling really started to take off. And, um, you know, she was in the AIS and she was, her commitment um, with that meant that she was away more. So, the, the yeah, it really flipped in yeah. that then it was me here and, and she was away. So that was different. <laughs> and then there was a point there where we had a year apart because we didn't think we could manage everything yeah. that was going on because we were just going in so many different directions but well it wasn't even a year it ended up only being about six or seven months I think yeah. um yeah and then yeah and then we got back together obviously <laughs> and um and yeah it was it was strange that yeah the the roles changed yeah that that kind of role reversal thing yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's awesome that you've been able to experience that because a lot of people don't you know it's it's often been you know they're not one-sided, but usually whatever path they start in a relationship is often sort of stays that way, stays a bit static. So it's interesting that you guys have had a, quite um, an unusual relationship in that way and because of the sport um, and at different times, in, you know, how you've approached it at different times um, and where you were in your careers. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when did you start running? I assume you're always running a little bit to yeah. to support whatever sport it was that you were currently pursuing. Because I think as you've pointed out, you've been in and out of lots of sports. Yeah. Um, oh, look, fitness was something that was always important to me. Mm. Um, 
and and definitely sailing there's an aspect of that as well um being mm-hmm. fit strong it's more um strength and endurance as opposed to you know um uh, well yeah and endurance as in um aerobic capacity okay. it wasn't yeah that wasn't as important but that's something that i, I always enjoyed um cycling i got into cycling pretty much when i came back from from sailing and i was looking at doing something else and mm-hmm. um and i yeah i bought a bike off this guy who sold me a bike that was probably three sizes too big for me <laughs> and it, he said it fitted me perfectly <laughs> and, and then i just like with everything threw myself into that sport and just found a bunch and started riding with them mm-hmm. um and that's where i actually met louise so she'd oh, moved wow. up yes and um and she didn't recognize me at first we i was talking to her in the bunch and and like she was a far better cyclist than I was at, at the time. And um, and then she made the connection that I'd talked to her at uni as well. And uh, yes, under all the, you know, the cycling apparel, she realised that was me as well. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was good. But yeah, I always, I always enjoyed, um, you know, just being relatively fit. Look, in reality, looking back at it, I, my physiology was probably suited to be a cyclist yeah. or a mountain biker. Or, um, and I probably should have followed that path, but because I was involved with sailing, you know, it, it never, good. yeah, I could always run and yeah. I, I could always, and Louise used to get frustrated because I wouldn't ride anywhere near as much as her, but, you know, I always seemed to be able to ride reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly I have the genetics, you know, for that. At, but look no regrets I, I didn't follow that sport so I followed something else and and look I've been you know reasonably successful in the multi-sport sort of area oh. that I that I ended up getting involved with anyway so I'm, I'm happy so you moved from from site so uh, sorry the sailing um sort of came to an end um yeah. and you came back and you started picking up lots of sports together and as you just said the multi-sport eventing became an important element for you, I think. And yeah. maybe that appeals to your um, ADHD style of um, yeah, so, having to yeah. do lots of things. In fact, yeah. this is a sport where you could do lots of things at once and it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, and, and that sort of, that was a great thing about it. Like I was paddling, running, swimming, riding, mountain biking, mm. depending on the event. Um, I did a, a, a number of um, the, the Anaconda races, which used to be a series around Australia and, yeah, it, I just threw myself into that really. Um, then I'd, I'd, depending on what events I was targeting, I'd focus on different sports and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that, and Frace and A Challenge, a local event, which Louise and I actually organise now, um, uh-huh. that, that became a bit of an obsession of mine. It, it was a two-day, um, you know, endurance race and, um, and I sort of set my sights on wanting to you know, do well in that. I wanted to win it. <laughs> it took me many, many years. <laughs> but um, And then you had yeah. to buy it to win it. <laughs> <You'd>... Yeah. <laughs> Take it over um, to win it. But no, yeah, well. I'm sure you won it before then. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I actually haven't competed since I've taken over running the event, which, yeah. you know. Where I, can I understand hope to, that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can. I hope to transition, like yourself, away from the organisation and back into more competing again. But, um, yeah, so that... Yeah, I, I, that was good for me because, you know, I was so intense on sailing. I needed to find something and, um, yeah, throwing myself into multi-sport um, and cycling and running um, was was a good outlet for me. So a lot of people, like, 
they find it hard just to go from running to the idea of say triathlon, but because it's multi, because it's now three disciplines to train for, how do you get around that in your head that there's just lots of elements and, and you just fit it into your daily life? I just find that amazing. Yeah, look, you know, it's it's a balancing act and yeah. um and and probably what's you know stopped me from competing was I felt like the balancing act uh, I wasn't doing particularly well. And that, was that once you started having kids as well? Or yeah. was that before that when you had said yeah so I finished racing in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, up until that point, you know, they, they say you can do two and a quarter things well in your life. Um, you know, and that really, that should be family first. And then, um, you've got work and then your sporting interests in there as well. Um, and you know, sometimes I think perhaps I was doing the sporting interests and a quarter of work, which I probably needed a bit more than that. (laughs) Um, I think that balance was starting to, and then there was time away from the girls and, and the girls, you know, they got to that age where they wanted, and they they deserved to have my full attention. But there were, like Olivia, I remember saying, "Oh, um, oh, Daddy, what are we going to do after you've done your training today?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, you know, that's not really great when a five year old saying to you, "What are we going to do once you've done your training?" Because that's yeah. putting training in front of everything else. Mm-hmm. And they got pretty used to Dad, like. I'd do crazy things. We'd go down the coast and I'd get up at five in the morning and I'd ride down the coast. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, yeah, yeah, 200 Ks. And then I'd get off the bike and then go for a run. You know, I'd arrive, the kids would want to see me and now I'd go, oh, hang on monkeys. I've just got to go for an hour run. <laughs> just help yeah. mum unpack and get set up while I get yeah. for my yeah. run. <laughs> yeah. So Louise was very patient. Um, oh. And she didn't say, like everyone said, oh, you know, it was Louise putting pressure on you. Absolutely not. It was a decision that I came to that A, I was getting older and B, the kids, you know, I wanted to spend time with the kids and with Louise and I felt like my sport was taking me away from that. So that's when I... So that multidisciplinary thing, really, you know, that us runners who think about triathlon, (laughs) we think about how do we do threes, (laughs) train for three things and keep life in balance, you know, that that can be a problem. That's what I'm hearing from you. It it definitely can be. And towards the end, 2014, um, I was working at uni, so I had flexibility with Mm -hmm. my hours. Um, But I was training twice a day, sometimes three times a day, Mm -hmm. so that I could fit all those sports in like 25 hours plus a week training. It wow. just, yeah, it was too much. It yeah. was like being a professional sportsman without the money, <laughs> without the, yeah. you know, and it's like, why am I doing this? Oh, you know, I what? might get a medal at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, this is just, this has gone next level. I need to just calm down. Um, yeah. yeah. But you, look, it's, I've done so many different things. You know, I've done running events. I've done mountain bike events. I've done cycling events. I've done multi-sport events. I've fitted a lot into that, that time period. And, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that I, Louise was super supportive of it, but yeah, I am enjoying, yeah, I'm enjoying not doing things like that now. I'm just uh, like, it's all about just, you know, being healthy and participating for, uh, you know, to set a good example for my children um, and not be overly concerned about, you know, how or what result I get. The a result's not even considered, to be fair. Yeah. It's just about being involved. Yeah. So going right back to you finished university and did you start teaching straight away in the PE? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, started teaching um, uh, part-time and then full-time. Um, yeah, and then uh, I worked at a Launceston school and then for seven or eight years and then Brooks High School, which was just, yeah, an amazing place to work at and um, pretty challenging school, but very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And then Louise and I made the decision to move to the East Coast and and I took a year off to build with a mate of mine who's a builder, who's also a well-known athlete um, in town. And we we went down the coast and and built what would be our um, our home down there Mm -hmm. and, and another place to rent out as well. And yeah, then I spent a bit of time down there and um, yeah, and then got the job at uni. So moved back to Launceston. So, yeah. so how did you find the time down the coast? Like oh. income, like from, because I've lived, you know, at Greens Beach for a year when we came back from traveling and just, it's just quite a different feel, the flow of your life, everything. I think you're kind of closer to nature or something. I don't know if it's because the ocean's at your doorstep or whatever. How did you, how did you find that? I loved it. I'd go back there in a heartbeat, but I, I do recognise that there's, you know, there are, there's limited opportunity for the girls at the moment down there. Yeah. And, you know, education is is probably uh, one of the things that brought us back to Launceston and different friendship groups and, yeah. and sporting organisations that the girls could be potentially involved with. That was a, a factor as well. You, you're quite insular when you live down there, which I'm, and separate from, from, most things but I think that's a really positive thing in some ways um yeah for really the I got a job at uni and it was a great job so I couldn't really pass that up um but also we had Olivia whilst we were living down there and at the time I think there were about 80 permanent residents so Louise would often go days where I was the only person she'd see other than the lady at the shop and the post office um and I think that was, it was difficult for Lou. She needed mm. more outlets. Yeah. Um, yeah so that was people that. too. That's, you know, yeah. especially when you're a new mum, there's that um, community element, I think is, is really valuable. Yeah. And at that time there were no other babies there. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who had children were older. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, that was why we, but, but we still have our place there and we, it's, yeah. we go, we spend all our holidays there and we, often go down over weekends. So it, we're still very connected. With, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the kids are very connected. Uh, like Emily, our middle daughter, she'd move down there in a heartbeat. She just <laughs> wants to surf and, and mountain bike. And yeah, she would oh. much rather be there than here <laughs> in Longfesson. But Longfesson's lovely. I'm not a person that thinks, yes. you know, I'm all it's for not one or the other. It's just, um, it's just interesting. You get different vibes, I think, or different. Yeah. And there's different seasons in our lives. You know, yes. there's different places suit the different seasons and so there might be more seasons in the future where you guys will spend you know longer periods down at the coast as well yeah, especially yeah. when the girls are more independent and doing their own things um, or they might beat you to it and say sorry you can't <laughs> no, Emily might move down there and say sorry <laughs> yeah I'm there sorry mum and dad <laughs> you could go to the bungalow out the back it's okay I, I've got this idea that when they're older you know they'll still want to go surfing with their dad and and they'll say, hey, dad, let's go to Derby. And, and yeah, I really, I, I really hope that's the case. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's one of those things, isn't it? You can't sort of, yeah. they, might, they might want to do, do those sorts of things with their own friends. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> they probably will want to. You guys are really cool. So I'm sure that that, that that will be the case and that they'll bring their friends. Come on, let's go riding with my mum and dad. That's yeah. what I thought. Or surfing with my mum and dad. 
Um, all right, so bring it right up to now. So obviously we've got this picture of a bloke who just doesn't know how to stay still, even. Yeah, <laughs> ADHD. That's pretty. <laughs> so you'll be interested. There's a, a program that I'm putting together at the moment. It's called Mindful Movement. So you can actually be working on your mind while you're moving. You don't have to sit still and meditate. <laughs> you can be doing it while you're moving. Anyway, so it's perfect for someone like you, Mr. Patton. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we've got this picture of this bloke. He's, he's not that good at staying still and but he's managed to successfully do lots of things with it because you know we've touched on it but maybe some people don't know you've also been you know an event organizer over the last I say decade or so would it be uh six years yeah six seven years yeah yeah so organizing reasonable size events as well um so what is what does exercise look in your life now and how old are you now you told me that recently. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm I'm turning forty three. I had to be. Rem- I told I was been telling everyone I'm turning forty two. <laughs> Lloyd's like, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't even. I just knew it was an early forty. I hadn't retained what that second number was. So I'm yeah, I didn't say forty two. <laughs> yeah, forty three. Um, and you know, like your age, not not relevant with someone like myself. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, it's not a barrier for me to do anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, but exercise for me, look, primarily it's about um, spending time with my family. And, um, but also, like, I do enjoy, um, you know, those solo runs from time to time. It helps, you know, helps me collect my thoughts and, I know I'm a better person when I exercise. I know that. Um, Louise reminds me of that. She finds me challenging to deal with at home if I haven't exercised for a couple of days. I was going to say, it feels really hard for my brain to equate to you not actually having some exercise at some point. So in a week. Uh, Yeah. How long do you think you've been without doing some form of exercise in your life as an adult? Yeah, I can't think of a time where I haven't exercised. Yeah, um, I'll go. Yeah, I know. But, um, when I say I don't, like, it's weird because it's your level is probably different. Yes, I feel like I don't do a great deal mm. of exercise these days, but I do something every day. Yeah. Um, and and recently, I've started running a bit more. I, I've I've had periods where I haven't run for you know for twelve months. So did you cycle, know. swim? What other yeah. things did you do? Yeah, I cycle. Like paddle, I suppose. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't paddle anymore. Don't. Okay. Um, yeah, don't particularly unless it's in big waves and it's, yeah. and surfing down big waves. I don't really like paddling. Okay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um, and I certainly don't like swimming. I'm a woeful swimmer. It was always a real real battle for me to swim when I did Ironman events and stuff. I you know I was lucky. I had some local guys that you know encouraged me to keep training but yeah. it's swim is one of those sports where it's not reward for effort if you look I wasn't a swimmer when I was younger so um it, I had to develop some technique I've got mm-hmm. woeful yeah. technique um and really frustrating that I'd put in a lot of effort but I just wouldn't see the results mm-hmm. um because I'm not a natural swimmer so yeah. I could I feel like I was really fit but there were a lot of people around me who weren't nearly as fit but were yeah. so much better swimmers and that just I understand that <laughs> irritates me so like you know I'm a person that likes to put in effort and then get some reward, get a reward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so swimming no nah, not into swimming um but yeah like now it's just about you know for my headspace 
keeping fit, keeping healthy. And Louise is the one that's encouraged me into running. As you know, we started running with the Launceston Running Club and we we love that. I love seeing my girls run and I was running with my five-year-old each week in the 1.5 and I started doing that every week so that um, my older two girls could then compete in the the 2.5, well, well, Emily 1.5, Olivia 2.5, and then Louise would do the longer run. And Louise is like, you know, you really should be running. You, you're like, you're coming out here. You may as well I, run. <laughs> you may as well run. Yeah. And now I made excuses. I'm like, nah. And um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I've, I've finally got over my own ego, which that sounds pathetic. Oh. Um, and I, I don't, don't know have, how to break it to you, but we all have one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and there's no expectation now about what I used to be able to run and the times. So now I'm actually enjoying running again because mm. I'm not going out thinking, you know, oh, it's a 5K run. I need to run a certain time because I know I'm actually not capable of doing that unless I did huge amounts of training. I'm not willing to do that. So I've, I've sort of gone, yeah, beyond that now. And yeah. um, and I, we should have a T-shirt for you that says, I'm 43 years old. I'm a father of three girls. I don't run as fast as I did when I was 20 and 30. Sorry. <laughs> or and something. And I, I don't care. That. Or something. <laughs> Yeah, I need that T-shirt because, as you know, my first run back, Mark put me at the, like, faced my times off three-minute Ks. I was never able to run three-minute Ks. I could run three tens in my, in my, at my absolute best, I could run three-minute Ks. And he thinks, I said to Louise, oh, well, that's a pat on the back. With age, I'm actually faster than I used to be. There you go. Well, that's what we used to say even to our kids when they found themselves suddenly at the back. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, yeah. that means they think you're a great runner. Whether they go, but what I'm not, <laughs> doesn't matter. You're, somebody thinks you are today. So take that as a pat on the back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's, it's yeah, it's it's fun. I love watching the girls run um, and I love watching their enthusiasm. And yeah, and then I, I've enjoyed just starting to do a few runs myself and us doing it as a family. It's a really cool thing. Really good thing to do together. Um, I know you also do a little bit of another crazy sport at the moment because we've talked about it at Running Club. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to dart off so I can so, go. That's right. Okay, I'll just get my run out of the way because I really need to go and hit the waves because there's a wind up at down at Greens Beach and it's really important. Yeah. So kites, kite surfing, that's what it's called, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So tell us a bit about that and why you think that's such a fun thing to do, but you don't want your girls to do it until they're a bit older. <laughs> No, no, I don't want them to do it until, uh, you know, A, I can teach them and B, they understand, you know, the potential danger with it. Kite surfing is not that dangerous once you, mm -hmm. you know, once you learn to do it and you, you learn to do it safely. Mm -hmm. um, it looks a lot more extreme than probably what it is. Like people yeah. see us jumping, you know, six, seven, eight, nine metres in the air and mm -hmm. they think, oh, wow, that's just crazy. But it's it's actually not. It's yeah. it, it's quite controlled really um yeah it's kite surfing for me is something that doesn't have a result linked to it mm -hmm. um it's just a personal thing um it's something that i really enjoy i don't know it's it's what do you like about it though how does oh, it make you feel what is the mm. what's the try and these are the things that we find so hard to explain in words yeah the speed okay. the speed yeah. the adrenaline the the feeling of flying when you're yeah. jumping in the air. Um, I don't know, the connection with nature, with the yeah. waves, the the wind, um, and using that, you know, um, the oh, it's just got, there's so many elements to kite surfing. I think that's why it's something that I've really, you know, 
found that I love it and it's and it's it's probably the most um oh, what's the word engaging it's probably not a good word engaging sport um the most fun sport I've ever participated in because it, it uses so many different skills it uses my knowledge of wind from yeah. a previous sporting from the same. <laughs> yeah totally. um, it, it uses my surfing which I've that's been a love since I stopped sailing um yeah. it's quite physical as well so you know um it's challenging and it, it's it challenges you to sort of you know read the weather and and the excitement of going out when there's big swell and and big winds and trying to manage those risks it's because it, yeah. i mean that's a fact you, you go out when most of us go oh it's not really a good day to be going even outside let alone in the water <laughs> you know you're off you go oh look it's a big there's a big swell and there's wind and it's, yeah, it's the, the only positive thing about it is that, like, often when I go, it's like a movie afternoon for the girls because it's just bloody miserable. Um, <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> so they're not like saying, um, "Dad, but I wanted to go do some writing or go do something else with you." Yeah, yeah. They're saying well, I want to watch a movie because it's an indoor kind of day. <laughs> yeah, I, like I remember us at Westbury, and uh, and you yeah, asked me what I was up to in the afternoon. It was a miserable day. So the girls had done their run. They, you know, they got rid of some energy and uh, they had an afternoon planned of just going home and doing some inside stuff. And I was just like champing at the bit because it was blowing a gale. <laughs> no way to go. Yeah. I do know, like on those times when I've been outside and I have spent plenty of time, because I grew up on King Island, there's a yeah. lot of wind on King Island. Yeah, you you could have been a kite surfer. <laughs> and, um, and on a farm, so and I, you know, on horses and all that kind of stuff. So I was and on the in the water a lot, but we were outside a lot, and that the electricity, the energy that's in the air that makes you feel alive when the weather isn't beautiful and sunshiny, it's that's you know that's what I I can imagine you get quite a bit of that when you're doing the yeah. kite surfing because you're out there when when the weather is full of that. So ions or something there's there is some science around it <laughs> yeah understand. but uh, yeah which is it makes you feel alive that was yeah what i was thinking you'd probably get a bit of that out of your um kite surfing as well feeling alive yeah. i think so like from my teaching experience in primary schools when it's a windy day the kids are really ratty well i think that say that applies to me as an adult when it's windy i'm ratty i just need to get out there let me out, <laughs> quick, let me out. <laughs> All right, so back to um, running a little bit, but it doesn't have to just be running. The questions I often ask on the podcast, which you may have heard in when I spoke to, to Lou, is yeah. what kind of things you're thinking about when you're out there doing your well, it, running cycling. I suppose it doesn't really matter that much. We, we tend to talk about running. And yeah. you've done a lot of running, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you, done um, a lot of running. you couldn't talk to that anyway. Yeah. Uh, and maybe do you thought that would be interesting to know? Do you, do you think your thoughts change depending on the sport you're doing? Now this is like um, training for sports. Now that you're not training to compete as well, because I'm assuming yeah. when you were doing that, it would be there'd be a lot of, you know, training to keep to the right time and training to, you know, yeah, for your performance versus enjoyment. Yeah. Well, now now it's. Um, yeah, like it's it's funny because when I run, you know, I, I find that I think about lots of different things. I, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really does help me uh, center my thoughts, I guess. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I can be pretty angsty before um, I go for a run, and then I'll come back from the run, and I've 
I've thought about what I've been angsty about and, you know, I'll have some sort of solution. And, and even back when I was teaching um, down the coast, a couple of days, I, well, often I'd come home and I'd just be a bit stressed and Louise would say to me, go for a run because she could see, you know, a run, would, I'd be able to solve the problems. Like it, so it's really important for me. Um, and since getting back into running just recently, yeah, it's, I would, you know, I'd run, I'd think about things that are happening with the family, just, just random things. I must admit, I, Louise and I have entered in the point to pinnacle. And so a little bit of that just trainings come back into my runs now where I'm trying to, you know, I'll do like a little session where I, I'll, I'll target, um, you know, um, some efforts and try and run with, with, to a speed that I think is reasonable for my age. And, and then I'll do that and then I'll go back to that just run for enjoyment. So it's sort of got elements of everything in there at the moment. Well, that's really cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think so. But then on Sunday I went for a run. My intention was just to run, yeah. uh, to go for a long run, just run for 20K. Um, and then for some reason, I don't know, <laughs> I can't even explain my own thoughts <laughs> sometimes. Um, at, at like the 3K mark, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do a hard 5K now and just see how my body feels. So for, I ran a hard 5K. <laughs> in the middle of, and, then I, and then I went back to, oh, this is, oh, what a beautiful morning. Uh, I'll run around the seaport. And, and then, yeah, then when I got home, my ankle was quite sore. And I was like, why did I do that 5K? That was just dumb. I, if, I had, if I hadn't done that, I'd actually feel really good after that run. But now I'm a bit sore. <laughs> so. uh, because you're Mark. That's why you did that. <laughs> and because yeah. you've got this thing coming up. So you're probably thinking I should test myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just subconsciously you just go, ah, oh, okay, I'm competing. I'm only competing in the point pinnacle because Louise is competing and we're going down for the weekend. And, and I thought, why am I going down there and not competing? Like that's, that's I'd be critical of someone else doing that, um, you know, that was capable. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, geez, get over your ego. You're not going to run up there as fast as you have in the past. That doesn't matter. Yeah. You're going to go away. And mum said she'd look after the girls that night. So we'll have a night away. So I thought, oh, I'm just being ridiculous. So I did enter. So And you'll yeah. enjoy it. That's I will. The, go out there for the fun. I always found that the last, you know, walking uh, a portion of the last little bit where it gets really steep, and you tend to walk faster, at least I tend to walk faster than I was running. And then yeah. I could suddenly breathe and look around me and and it was amazing. Actually, I really enjoyed the last little bit of that where it was the steepest. Yeah. <laughs> because I was walking and moving faster than I was when I was running. So. I'm actually looking forward to that. I hope it's a nice day because like previous when I've been racing, I've my goal has been to finish in the top 10. Like I've, yeah. you know, I've, I would accept nothing. I'd turn myself inside out to do that. But this time... Oh, there's no, not even, there's no chance I'll be anywhere near that. So I, I actually am going to take the time to, you know, have a good look around and, yeah. and I've run up that bloody mountain so many times, um, you know, point to pinnacle, three peaks race. Yeah. I ran up, I've run up there several times. I, that was often in the dark and it, it is a beautiful, mm. like it's a beautiful place to run. The and, vistas uh, are amazing on a clear day. Just yeah. So I really hope it's a day because I'll actually, you know, I will be taking the time to, you know, enjoy the moment as opposed to, and I won't be looking at my bloody watch because I actually don't care. I just want to run the whole way. That's my, yeah. you know, and be solid, solid running, but just run the whole way and, 
yeah you know i've, I've recently um because i've got some coaches in the netherlands and they want me to train using my heart rate and yeah. they've recently asked me to and i only just did it they actually asked me to do it about a month ago but i only did it on the weekend which was to take off my watch the pace so i can't yeah. see what pace i'm doing at all and just can see my heart rate and i can see the time and by the time i've run for a couple of k my brain doesn't do the mathematics to work out <laughs> yeah. the pace i'd be doing yeah because <laughs> that's really no important with point to pinnacle that is yeah. super important i run to heart rate always have yeah that's the only thing i have on my even when i was racing i'd run because yeah. i knew what my threshold was yeah. um so and you know it's irrelevant when you run up a hill what pace you're running like you, yeah. you so i just always run to threshold and i used to all my events that i did i'd always just use heart rate as my because heart rate you know takes into consideration the weather um stress on your body at the time you know a lot of people cyclists they um they they use a combination of different things um but power is pretty common with cyclists to use that power data oh i can hold x number of watts over over you know so many hours but power yeah that absolutely it's it's definitely a good thing to use but heart rate can you can see those like um issues that you might be having adjusting to the heat on the day mm -hmm. and it might well be that okay you're holding that power but your heart rate's quite a bit higher that day because of other factors and i think you need to consider both like if you ignore one for me heart rate's important really it's the one that's that is the true Story what your body's doing at that time and it yeah. as you said it's it's like um better than any scientific uh watch or bike yeah. computer that we have it's it's uh, a really good indicator of what's going on with us i always notice that i can't because they're trying to get us to run at a really low, low a lower heart rate so that we can run longer for in, more endurance yeah. <clears throat> but to keep it lower and then not get injured um sort of the theory around it um and very particular for us, like we have to do all kinds of tests and stuff to get a particular heart rate, not just you know, regular run of the mill one. But I do notice that, yeah, towards the end of, of runs when you're tired, that even though, say, because I know what my pace is because I hadn't taken it off yet, even though your pace is, say, maybe lower, you know, that your heart rate goes up. And then I notice I, because I've been paying attention to these things for the last year, if my brain starts going somewhere where I didn't want it to go and I start getting annoyed about something because I'm, you know, ruminating, my heart yeah. rate goes up as yeah. well. Like it's not just, so environmental factors, definitely like heat. And then of course getting tired, but even the things that are going on in your head can all affect your heart rate. And you just think, wow, isn't that interesting? You yeah. know, you're running. Heart rate in the, in the morning as well. Like if you have a low heart rate in the morning or a high heart rate, a high heart rate could be indicative of you perhaps having a virus and your body oh, fighting you a virus. So when you first wake up, if you take consistently take your heart rate, if you, you have an ele elevated resting heart rate of the morning, that can be the first signs of sickness. There you go. Um, and so we were even uh, got medical health announcements here. So that was a really <laughs> good tip. I love that tip. <laughs> So my watch actually measured it all night. So I can look at yeah. my watch and go, oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no wonder I'm feeling a bit unwell this week. Because <laughs> my heart rate's been up. <laughs> That's cool. I love it. Um, all right. So I one of the questions I often ask is how long you haven't run for if there's been an injury or things like that. But I did ask you earlier whether there's been any period where you've had sort of a break from exercise and you were like, oh, 
don't really remember. Have you had any kind of injuries where you haven't been able to get out and yeah, and yeah, look for a little while? I have. I've had injuries caused by mountain bike crashes and things oh. like that. But I've also had running injuries. I've had a um, stress fracture in my femur. Um, yeah, that was too much running when I was training for the three peaks. When I first started to get into endurance running, um, I yeah, uh, I basically just went too full on too soon. Run, and, run, 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 run. Yeah, hard to believe, hey. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went from not doing any running to running like, you know, 100 kilometres a week. Mm. Um, yeah, so that... And then I've, I've had a couple of stress fractures in my tibia um, uh, as well. So I've had shin splints, but they've been turned into stress fractures. Yeah. But that was in the early days when I didn't understand about training and, and load. And, like and load yeah. And then my body obviously made some adaptations. And um, I've been pretty injury resistant, really. Um, but I am super mindful of, of training loads and building up slowly. And even now that I'm getting back into running, actually last week that I've had my biggest running week for oh, years. Mm. I've run, I think I ran close to 70K. Um, but, um, and that was only because it rained so much last week. But I'm really mindful of that. Um, and you didn't want to go on the bike? I didn't want to go like, on the bike. What's the rain got to do with it? Like, yeah. Because oh, you didn't yeah. want to bike. Sorry. Go yeah, on. it's my brain. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't ride my bike a great deal last week because, yeah, um, yeah it was raining and and I, I don't mind running in the rain. Um, so I had a big week. So I'm even just subconsciously, I know this week I need to sort of, I've been building up to that. So mm. I've been sort of running, you know, 30K, 40K, 50K. I've had a big week last week. So I'm just going to have an easier week this week. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably why. Mind you, my, I've got a bit of a dicky ankle and that that's an injury from years and years ago. That's three peaks injury, um, running on a rolled ankle for, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, and, and and probably, you know, not doing the right rehab as well. So, yeah. So uh, you did, <coughs> sorry, I'm going to get coughing one. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I was trying to not cough while I was going. Um, so you said before that you, when your um, Lou basically pushes you out the door because you can feel yeah. like you're going to get antsy. What do you think would happen if you couldn't exercise for a little while? What, like talking about your identity, because your identity is obviously uh, someone who loves to get out there and do stuff. Yeah, look, I'd be a pain in the ass, um, a proper pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the problem with me is I'm, I'm pretty obsessive, a bit OCD, um, um, ADHD as well. Uh, like, uh, you know, I, this is all, well, it's not self-diagnosed. As a kid, uh, mum was told, look, you know, we could give him something to calm him down or you could just get him involved in lots of things. So she did the, the latter, thankfully, because I'm, I'm a big believer in that, I, you know, I think kids with high energy and I've, I've produced three of them. Um, as long as you keep them involved and keep them active, then they're easy to manage. I'm not an easy person to manage if I don't exercise. It's as simple <laughs> as that. Um, and I find those OCD tendencies creep into my life a lot more. Like I, I will rearrange the entire garage if I have an exercise, like for no particular reason, because our oh, garage yeah. is really organised or I'll, I'll get really crabby with the girls because I from my perspective their rooms aren't tidy enough and, and look kids have been really good for me because I've had to just calm down mm. with that sort of 
you know, thought process. Yeah. yeah. Um, or I'll go outside and I'll do something like I'll do something that I've been thinking about doing um, that probably doesn't need to be done, but there, I feel there's urgency there because I've got this energy and I, you know, haven't exercised. So really, yeah, for me, exercise is a balance. It balances me on a personal level. So I think I often talk to people about <clears throat> when they first called themselves a runner, but for you, I wonder whether the question is, when did you first call yourself an athlete? Because to identify you in just one sport doesn't sit, doesn't really do you justice. Yeah, ah, oh, you know the old uh, jack of all trades, master of nothing. Look, I can, yeah, I, I reckon I was an I was an athlete when I was seven. You know, I was a Australian champion. I was a world champion. I just didn't get the Olympics. So yeah. I, I feel like my identity as an athlete was then. Um, even though probably people in Launceston know me for running and cycling yeah, and triathlon and, and, and triathlon yeah so i guess maybe you'd say i'm a lifelong athlete i i mm. apply that you know um well, yeah, att attention to uh, training and to trying to do the best that i can with all of the sports that i've done mm. um yeah so i don't know it's it's yeah because we talk about identity and especially when we attach it to things like <clears throat> something that could be taken away from us so easily. And you guys saw that yeah. with, with Louise to a degree when she had her terrible accident. Um, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, when, you know, you would have seen it a lot in, in elite sports as well, when that's taken away. And maybe you experienced that a bit when you stopped being a sailor, like that would have been the picture in your mind for a long time when you were younger and you were training for it. To reach yeah. certain levels and then when it doesn't happen how we deal with that sort of thing and when therefore what identity we could attach to ourselves that would be uh, something that we can maintain irrelevant of what life throws at us i.e i'm the kind of person who wants to or who stays fit in any way that i can and that's probably an identity that you already have you just don't you know you don't necessarily put it in those words because that's what you've demonstrated in your life um yeah and sort of protecting because when our identity is pulled away from us it, that can be quite devastating so finding ways to deal with that even now before you before something happens or uh, heaven forbid nothing happens but it's that yeah. kind of <clears throat> feeling and it's a, that healthy having a healthy identity i guess we're talking about um mm. yeah anyway so that was that was yeah. the thing i thought was interesting in regards to you guys because you have been so enmeshed in your sport and and you know when you can't do it for a while and how that works for you um with the kids interestingly a, you know, a question for you in regards to being you know a PE teacher you get to see lots of young people who are and you've gone I think you've mostly been high school and now you're in more of the college with yeah. university as well but um, you're in sort of college, college level now so I assume when they were, you're in high school the kids were all primary and all primary school, I'm not sure. Uh, they were more, this is what you have to do because this is sport we make you mostly do. And then now you're more with kids who uh, put their hand up and said, I want to do this. How do, yeah. What's the diff? How do you feel kids, <clears throat> kids in their sport? Like, obviously, if we had our way, everybody, you and I, everybody in the world would get out and do some kind of exercise regularly. Yeah. Um, oh, look, I think from the college perspective, I wish that um, 
doing some HPE or a, you know a physical education course or a, or a subject mm-hmm. should be still compulsory. I don't like the fact that you know when they get to grade eleven and twelve they can choose um, like maths and English. Yeah, because you know the connection to well-being and and that um, you know your health. You know, spiritual health is important, but physical health is still important. Like it's, you know, emotional health is important. There's all those elements. Mm. Uh, And I think if you neglect one of them, then, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice and perhaps you're not going to have, you know, your well-being and your um, the way that you you cope with day-to-day sort of stresses is going to be influenced. And it seems like in year 11 and 12, they've just decided that, that those um, students are old enough to make those choices when it comes to physical health, but I don't necessarily think they are. I still think they need to be guided. And um, so the kids that I teach now here at the college, they're, they're electing to do it. Um, and one of the subjects that we run here, athlete development, um, is a subject that it's there to support athletes. And I use that term very loosely because the athletes that, or that identify as, as athletes, there's probably only a quarter of them that are actual athletes. Yeah. Um, the rest of them, are, they like using that term when they and they like being connected with mm-hmm. the, the actual subject, but they actually have no concept of what being an athlete is. But that's hard for me because I was a very driven athlete. So um, I've got to find that middle ground where I'm not too intense and mm-hmm. saying, what well, you need to do this, this and this. But then also supporting, like, we have some amazing athletes come through. And, like, I, I'm seeing, you know, people that I used to compete against in different sports, their children coming through now, which is just awesome. And I see the same. We've got, a like, an Australian elite-level cyclist at the moment, and I still train with his father, and his father was a very good athlete as well. And it's really nice to see those kids come through and that same, you know, f- focus that they have and, and yeah. So I, I guess for me it's easier to connect with those kids because that was me yeah. when I was. It's, it's more difficult for me to try and encourage those kids that are identifying as athletes but aren't athletes and make them sort of make better choices to push them, you know, in a pathway that's going to make them, uh, you know, improve their sport and improve them as as individuals. It's interesting what you said before about whether because it's not compulsory, and perhaps it should be, because the the studies the now that have shown that um, when you do some exercise and then go and sit down and do some um, mental work in like in yeah. school, um, or just going back to the office <laughs> for that matter, but any of this kind of work where we're sitting in front of a computer and working and using our mental faculties it's greatly improved if you've been and done a little bit of exercise so you would think at this time when it's supposed to be some of the harder studying for kids in year 11 and 12 as we call it here for college that they would be promoting these ways for them to be able to focus and have more clarity um, yeah for their education as well so it's interesting that that's and, and it's not even if you said that to anybody who makes these decisions, they would all agree with it. Nobody's going to argue with it. That's not a thing because we all know that it's a fact. Um, yeah. But so it's kind of one of those, I don't know how you make it, get it into the school system. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and within our school system at the moment, like there's three three compulsory things that you need to acquire during your, your studies in 11 and 12. That's a numeracy tick. So it's 
you've done a you know a maths course or something that has maths in it, a literacy tick and an ICT tick. Well, why isn't there a HPE or a, you know a tick as well? Because it's ignore. I've always thought that they should be getting that as well because it's it's just as important as we just discussed. But mm. it's not the case. Anyway, yeah, I can just do what I can with the students that are involved with my courses. And they're very lucky to have you as well, Matt. I see you off running past us when we're off training sometimes. All these kids get out of our way. Yeah. Stop overtaking us so fast. It makes us look old. Anyway. <laughs> um, how long do you think, I always say, how long do you think you'll run for? But I'll ask you that. How long do you think you'll run for? I'll run as long as my body will allow it. Um, yep. I, yeah, it's, it's an important part of me. And yep. uh, and now we have three energetic children. It's the most bang for buck out of any sport that I do. It's, yeah. I love the fact that you, you can leave your house and 30 minutes later, you can do something that's really worthwhile for your, you know, your physical fitness and health. Um, that's not the case with cycling. If you're going for a 30 minute bike ride, it's hardly worth getting your gear on. Um, you've Excellent. got to almost double it. Yeah, you've almost got to double it. So, and all the other things that you, all the other sports, there's so much preparation involved with it or traveling, whereas running straight out the door into it. Yeah. Back home. Done. Done. Oh, that yeah. is something oh. I love about running. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just so you just need a pair of shoes. <laughs> Off you go. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's easy, except I live at the top of a hill, which is a little annoying. <laughs> but, um, running downhill to start's not good. That's right. The running back up when I'm tired. <laughs> I don't actually like that much. But anyway, um, <laughs> do you listen to anything when you're, when you're running? Or are no. you, yeah, you just. No, my, my, my thoughts are loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> do you run with other people? Do you, like, I know you cycle with other people. Do you run with other people when you? Yeah, I do. We have a running group of a Monday night, which used to be a, like, we used to meet Mondays and Wednesday nights and it used to be a full on training group. It's now turned into a running group. We do do a run, but we also sit in the car park and have a beer afterwards. Oh, you do? <laughs> Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, often the, the having a beer, sometimes two beers in the car park, is longer than our run. And it, that's something really nice that we've, you know, because we, we were all super competitive guys yeah. and just the transition from that to... Car park drinkers. Yeah, <laughs> car park beer drinkers. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I look forward to my Mondays because it's... It, it's you, you can't have you can't be sensitive and join our group because there are no, no topics that aren't um are not able to be discussed we talk about lots of things and Aww. there's a lot of stirring that goes on between each other within the group but it's yeah it's bloody nice that we finish off and then we have a beer it's, it's that's good. really sweet one of the things we've talked about here a bit is that um the studies again have shown especially blokes because they're not that good at opening up and because you were just talking about conversation when they go running together because we're not looking directly eye to eye but you know often running side by side they're more likely to share you know things that are a little bit more sensitive or whatever and to have a chat it's a bit like the running version of a men's um, club where they build like a, the workshoppy things where they go and you have your men's group doing all that kind of stuff it's a bit like that except you know it's a running version of that they've, they've yeah. shown that because it's less intimidating so, I reckon although, definitely yeah, the case. Having the beers has probably cuts down some of that as well. <laughs> you know, some of the inhibitions to what you can share, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Um, so, Mark, how do you think 
running in particular has improved your life. So if you didn't have running in your life, just all the other sports, <laughs> yeah. you'd miss out on whatever this thing is. Uh, look, running, like I said before, I think the, the single biggest thing for me with running is it's convenience. Um, it takes you to places that you otherwise can't access. That's something mm. that's important to me. Um, and spending time on the East Coast, I can go into national parks. Um, they're, they're my favourite runs when I can go places that can't be visited unless I do put yeah. my shoes on them and head in that direction. Um, that, you know, the calmness of that, getting away from, you know, the, the everyday life and being able to run into spectacular places. I think that's just something that I, yeah, it's pretty special. Um, yeah. And yeah, being able to do that with my family as well. I, I love going for little runs with the girls now and um, yeah, it's just a really cool thing. We all can run together and, and like you said, the conversations that you have um, particularly with our eldest daughter, Olivia, um, she really she she opens up when she goes for a little run and oh. tells us about that, what's going on in her little head at the time so yeah I think that's awesome that is so cool I love that <laughs> yeah. I can't keep up with my boys maybe that'll happen one day um, <laughs> for you when the girls will be well I'm sure it will actually at some point there'll be a crossover where the girls will be faster than dad Definitely. it's hard to believe but I'm sure it'll happen <laughs> Is there anything, Mark, about running in particular that we haven't covered that you think we should have? No, no, not at all. I don't think, you know, running is one of those things too where it doesn't matter how fast you are. Um, and it, it's it's a sport where you're really running for yourself. Like it's, you can always have that challenge within yourself to, you know, to improve and everybody, um, you know, everybody has those little goals in mine from time to time and it no other body or no one around you has any bearing on that like it's it can be really individual as well as something that you can do socially and I just like that it it does give you that reward for effort swimming no whereas running does like if if you are consistent and you you're methodical and you you will see improvement like it's that's what I I like about running and you you see it quickly as well um so yeah I, I the the reward that you get for putting in the effort is i don't think there are many sports out there that you get that return so quickly bang for your buck bang for your buck it is absolutely yeah. i love it um all right so give me some running tips and you're in a perfect place to to give me that for for people who are just wanting to start running and i don't know uh, yeah anyway give me some tips for someone who wants to start running that'll keep them running because what we don't want these people who just go in and run for a month or two and then they get sick of it it's the idea is to make it for the rest of your life really if you can yeah if you can um i think you've got to start off um by being realistic um and not sort of thinking that that one plan that you heard someone else use will work for you because yeah. that's not the case um you gotta listen to your body and I'm a big believer in uh, having rest in between sessions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, you, if you're running to start with, you need to have days off, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, start off two, three times a week. Um, rest is training. Rest, rest is training, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and give your body time to build up. Don't expect that to happen in the first six weeks. 
Like there's there's lots of you know if you're in, if you're new to running, then your body's going to have to make some pretty major adaptations and you know lay down some stronger bone in in certain areas to cope with the increased volume that you're expecting of it. So be patient with that. Um, at varied speed, recovery runs are important. And I like I should listen to my own advice here because I'm sure. <laughs> you can but, listen to this um, later. <laughs> yeah, if you want to if you want to improve your running and you want to get faster, there's got to be recovery. There's also got to be speed specific sessions which are shorter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've got to have that within your running week. Yeah. Um, build your distance over time. Mm -hmm. Don't you know if you if you're aiming to run a half marathon, then you you don't actually need to run a half marathon until the day you run that half yeah. marathon. Um, people often make that mistake. I often hear about people training for a marathon. And they, they, they're running, you know, 42Ks, um, you know, four weeks out. And they're doing that a couple of times. That's ridiculous. Like The coaches that I have at the moment, their whole idea is um, that you don't actually run any more than nine miles, which is yeah. like 15, 16K to run a marathon that none of your yeah. runs, because of the way they stack the training and they do intervals and things like yeah. that, you never run any more than than that the nine miles in your training schedule so i managed to run a 60 earlier in the year and i don't think i ran more, more than 18 in my training yeah yeah and and i'm a big believer in that and when i i've actually only run one marathon and that was only because i had my arm in plaster and i couldn't do anything else <laughs> um so um yeah so i went and ran the middle marathon but um I gave myself six weeks to get ready for that. I hadn't yep. done the volume. I was fit. I was, I was quite fit. Um, and I called on Kim Gillard, a well-known runner in the state. And Kim, I said, Kim, help me out. He, he predicted what I would do. I would blow myself up in training, trying to run way too fast, which is yep. what I did. But I still ran anyway. Um, but the most I ran before that marathon was 30, 30K. And, and that was, but that was, I, when I say 30K, it was quite a fast, 30k so um yeah and then I obviously ran the marathon the day um and that was yeah the first time I'd run up to that distance but um That's yeah. <laughs> so, don't, yeah don't build volume quickly yeah. be patient yeah that what do they say 10 percent or something that which seems ridiculous when I've been coming back from injuries I'm like what do you yeah. mean I can only run like another 500 meters now I've just run a 5k <laughs> like, yeah you know when you're building up it's quite hard that's what I'm yeah, saying. The 10% it itself is quite high. There's actually some good research around um, walking in between your run as well. Uh, yes. So yeah. stopping and walking yeah. for a kilometre as a bit of a... That as well. yeah, yeah, that actually, I think there's some real benefit in that. In fact, um, yeah, when I, my ankle started to get sore on the, on the weekend, I thought, I'm just going to walk. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to stop, yeah. which is unlike me. I don't stop. Yeah. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to stretch. Now I'm going to walk a little bit and then I'm going to start running again and just see if that helps. And it did. wise in your 40s. I know. Far What's out. going on? Who would have thought? <laughs> we, um, my training has me running 3Ks and walking for a minute, which yeah. is actually really hard Like because it's like, oh, I don't know, especially at the beginning of your you know, training because it's yeah. like, I'm feeling quite fresh. Why would I want to walk? I just, I've only run 3K, but you kind of, you walk for the minute and then start off again and run for yeah. another 3K. And don't you have a spring in your step when you first start back yeah. in the yeah. run? Exactly. I and I think it, you definitely notice when you're getting tired towards the second half of your training. Yeah. You, that spring, you notice that you actually, you do recover in that walk. Yes. Even if you're, yeah. 
So mm. it's definitely worth trying. I think all this stuff is worth trying, I think, yeah. um, and not getting injured, which is yeah. the whole aim of it, so that you can keep running, which I guess is the point of, of some of those tips of yours as well and most people's tips for beginners is you know, to get them running um, consistently and not get injured because that's usually the thing that will stop someone continuing yeah. their, their running journey. And my really hardened sort of, uh, you know, attitude towards running, running hurts um, yes. you know, sometimes and yeah. just embrace it. Like know that it's, you know, a little bit of soreness is a good thing. And I think it's a three-week hump. You get yourself over three weeks of training and that soreness will abate and it'll be easier. So commit to three weeks, you know, put it up on the fridge so that you, you know, there, there's some sort of, I guess, uh, ownership of that. And, um, you know, maybe your husband or partner or wife or whatever can call you out on it if you, you know, um, yeah. it just makes you accountable, I think. And then that is a really good way to get yourself into some regular training. Make yourself accountable. Stick it up on the fridge. Everybody knows you're going to run these days. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to answer questions as to why you haven't. If you <laughs> Which probably ties into that kind of scheduling it too. Because yeah. often we all have these busy lives and um, yeah. we think, yeah, I'll go for a run for tomorrow, but we don't think, well, when will I fit that in tomorrow? So it's not until you say, well, I'm going to do it at nine o'clock or I'm going to do it at yeah. six o'clock, whatever. You give it a time, you schedule it, which then you put on the fridge as well. Because <laughs> so, exactly. other people can hold you accountable. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Mark, it has been an awesome. I can't <laughs> just goes on it's like this is like the hardest thing i've ever done to start a podcast talking about running not really this is like so like who doesn't want to just sit around and talk about running and and all these cool things that we love to do in our lives and encourage more people to do it it's pretty easy and the time flies like like you've just seen so big thank you i can see you're sitting at work (laughs) don't don't get off i'll say um goodbye to you off the recording as well have something to tell you i just remembered uh, <laughs> which is good um but i did want to really say a big thank you for you to spend some time with us and share some of your wisdom because you have a mountain of it and not only that you teach it so it's kind of like <laughs> duh you should be running the podcast um apart from the fact that you have way more energy than me so <laughs> you know, probably irritating <laughs> not at all not at all yeah. Uh, I've just loved talking with you. So thank you again. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website, fitmind.com fitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.